The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bills fans, welcome back to another episode of Believe, a Bills fan podcast. I am Jamie D'Amico, and I am without your illustrious host, John Boccasino, this time. He said he has coronavirus, but uh, frankly, I, I don't believe him. No, frankly, he um, he told me to say that, but he doesn't have that. He's just not feeling well. He's under the weather. So instead, I have brought in one of my good friends, who I've been watching Bills games with for more than a decade. He's one of the most magnetic human beings I've ever met. This is my buddy, Big Chris Newton. Chris, it is great to have you here, buddy. Well, I'm glad you finally got me on, man. I was wondering when you were going to put me on with all the references you've been making in your podcast and things I'll be telling you. I'm glad to be here. Um, You're not lying there because I I definitely have... (laughs) Along the way, taking your ideas and incorporated them into my own because, well, A, you played football and you played in the Arena League, right? Yeah, I had a cup of coffee with the uh, New Jersey team many moons ago, uh, New Jersey Red Dogs. But I played collegially at uh, Missouri Western State University. I played four years there. So, needless to say, um, my scrawny ass never made it onto a football field. So, you know, I, I take your opinion seriously when it comes to that. Now, Chris is one of the biggest Bills fans I know. And it's sort of interesting how you got there. Um, it, 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 explain how you ended up becoming a Bills fan, because you didn't necessarily start that way, right? No, I, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and I, um, I am a self-proclaimed bandwagon, uh, or bandwagoner. Um, when I was growing up in St. Louis, we didn't have a team. So my uh, adolescent years was between the time when the Rams left. I mean, I'm sorry, not the Rams, the Cardinals. They left in 84, I think. And then the St. Louis Rams didn't come until 1994, 95. And so during my uh, adolescent years, I didn't have a team. So a guy from my neighborhood, you all might know him. His name is Henry Jones. He got drafted by Buffalo in uh, 1991. And so my brother knew him. He was from the neighborhood. So uh, we all kind of followed him, and I just stuck with it. So I am a, a self-proclaimed bandwagoner, but I just stuck with it the next 30-plus years. Yeah, I don't think you can be called a bandwagon fan if you've stuck with the Bills over that playoff drought. That, that <laughs> makes you more of a masochist than a bandwagoner. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how, that's how it is with all my teams. I mean, I, I started following sports like 87, 88, 89. So all my favorite teams are the teams that were good at that time. 
<laughs> so I follow Buffalo in the NFL. My favorite college team is Notre Dame in football and Michigan in basketball. So it's interesting to me that you are fans of different schools for different sports. Um, but that seems to to be a pretty good way of spreading yourself around and also gives you an opportunity to see a lot more of them in person. And I, you, you go to a lot of events. And, and, and here's the, the funny thing is that there's nobody I have ever seen end up on television in the audience more than you. And one of my favorite one of my favorite games to play is where's Big Chris looking in the crowd and being like, okay, am I going to spot this guy? Oh, there he is sitting right behind the head coach. Now, (laughs) one of my favorites uh, of these stories is when you went to see the Michigan Wolverines play basketball and you were sitting behind the bench and there there's a lot more to the story. Please, please tell it. Well, we were. um in a tournament, I think that was like four years ago, and then I got a cheap ticket the day of the game. So I just drove up. I mean, obviously, we, we live in Virginia, where I live in uh, Richmond area now. And so I got a cheap ticket off StubHub. It was sitting, you know, baseline, you know, like courtside seating, and it was for a reasonable price. So I, I wear jerseys. I'm still a guy that still like to wear my jersey to the game. So I have a throwback Robert Tractor Trailer jersey. Rest in peace. Um he passed away a few years back, and he was one of my favorite Michigan players, so I got his jersey. And so I'm a big guy, as I'm sure you all could see from if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter or anything. I'm a pretty big guy, and and we kind of look favorably, but the only thing is I'm six foot, and he was like six eight. And so I'm wearing my throwback tractor tra- trailer jersey at the game. Obviously, I get on TV whatnot. But then we wind up winning the tournament in New York. So as the team goes by, I guess they thinking I'm related to him or something. I mean, we do kind of favor. And so, uh, you know, if they come <laughs> off the court, they won the championship. They're high-fiving me. I got to hold the trophy. Like, I felt like literally part of the program at that point. And, uh, you know, and then people was thinking at that point, people see that. And now they're taking pictures with me. And I'm like, they think I'm Robert Trent. I'm like, the dude died a couple years ago. <laughs> I'm six foot tall, like, you know what I'm saying? So I just thought that that was, you know, I mean, it's fun. I go along with it, but, you know, <laughs> I'm used to it. I have I have friends that play in the NFL, and then obviously if you hang with those people, and obviously I, I work this sport, and so you hang with those people, and then they just kind of lump you in with it. Like, it's been times where they ask me for my autograph, and I just scribble something. I mean, like, whatever, you know. for Seriously? A Oh yeah, I can scribble something. I mean, I don't want. I'm like, I don't want to be like, dude. Really, I'm nobody. Like, I don't want to say that for the kids. So I'm like, all right, but it just makes you funny that so many people would take pictures and acknowledge you, and they don't even know who you are. Like, they don't even know they just think you somebody. So you're like, whatever. So you play along. Absolutely amazing. So when they start asking you about your career, what do you tell them? <laughs> no, just uh, you know, play it off. Don't say much of anything. I mean, I'm just you know. But if they badge you for it, I'll just tell them. I'm like, okay, like you can't make me feel weird about it. I mean, you don't want to ask me for the picture, you know? So I'm like, what else? That is, oh my God. And, <laughs> you know, we, we've been friends long enough that you have sent me at least a dozen pictures of you. Like suddenly you're on camera or there's a video and it, it, it pans through the audience. And I'm like, there he is. Because somehow you get the best tickets, the best seats at, at every event. But my favorite is when there was a uh, 
a crowd shot from outside of the Super Bowl. What was it in Tampa that year? Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, look, I'm in this picture. Well, <laughs> man, you were like the size of like two pixels, but you were still, your ass is bigger than anyone else out there. I thought your favorite would be the one of me and Jim Kelly. Yeah, I um, one of the best. Okay, yeah, that is pretty good. There was <laughs> what was it with you, Jim Kelly, and Kim Pagula? Because of course they thought you were somebody important, right, right? So you got all like Ruben Brown was there. You got all the alums, and so I guess you know I was lucky enough to make it on the field pregame. So then you know I guess they thinking, okay, you're a big guy. You probably used to play. So Jim Kelly Thurman kind of came over, and I was like, hey, can I get a selfie? And then you know you get the little selfie, and then you keep it pushing. But I took the one picture with Sal, uh, Sal, uh, Baccio and Kim Pagula. And I, cause I heard Sal's voice behind me and I'm like, man, I know that voice. So I go up to him. He's a great guy. We chopped it up. I told him I was with the, uh, DC Bills backers. And then Kim comes walking up and I'm like, Hey, you need to get this guy a raise. And I don't even know <laughs> what I didn't know. I was just talking. So. You know, I, they wind up taking a picture with me. And I was like, Kim, your teeth are beautiful. Like, she has the white teeth I've ever seen in my life. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know really what to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, she was nice, and, and Sal was wonderful, and we had a great time, man. And so I, I just wish that game, that was the New England game uh, two years ago at home. I just wish the outcome would have came out better. But, I mean, after I met Jim and Thurman. It was like I was ready to go. I was like, okay, I'm going to drive back to Virginia now because nothing on the field is going to match this. And the the best part about your picture with Jim Kelly, though, was the fact that he looked like he was excited to be in a picture with you as opposed to the other way around. So <laughs> do me a favor. Um, I'm sure you've got these on Instagram and Twitter, but why don't you give out uh, your handles at both of them so people can go check them out for themselves? I certainly can. I would love to share with you and your audience. You can follow me at Worldwide Newt 4 on Instagram. That's all one word, Worldwide Newt. N-E-W-T. N-E-W-T, yep. Um, and then on Twitter is Worldwide New. Two words. All right. So let's get back to the topic at hand here on Believe, a Bills fan podcast. We actually came here to talk about the Buffalo Bills and not talk about Big Chris, but you can sort of go on all day talking about this dude, as as I'm sure you can imagine. But today, what we are going to do is we're going to we're going to grade the offensive line uh, over the course of the season and not just the starters and not just the individual players, but the group as a whole. Uh, so we're going to get talking about that. And now Chris played in the trenches at you, well, you played a bunch of different positions, so you've got a lot of education on, on this subject matter. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's start going there. Let's, let's start on the left-hand side of the line and work our way across to the right and, and talk about the starters that we have. What did you think of Deion Dawkins this past year? I, I think he was good. I mean, he was probably one of our better linemen. Um, he was serviceable. serviceable. Um, pro football focus, I think, graded him in the 70s, maybe 73 74%. That's right. And that's good. I mean, that puts him in the top maybe 25 um, mm-hmm. offensive tackles in the league. So that's that's fine. Um, I was – the eye test, I think he was probably our best offensive uh, lineman. I I agree with that. He certainly kind of stepped into a leadership role too, which was it was really nice to see. They after having a a, a down season in 
2018, I, th- I think we can all agree that he just wasn't that great the prior year, you know, they made him a captain and he sort of took on like that, that heart and soul sort of mentality. Um, it, it just, it just had to feel like they wouldn't be the same without him out there. Right. And he seems like he's better than average this year. I, he's certainly not upper echelon. He's not Jason Peters in his prime. Ugh, no, that name no. makes me mad still. Oh, that hurts my heart to see that that guy's going to probably go in the hall of fame. And yeah. it hurts my heart to see it. So definitely. So, um, you know, Dawkins, he did have seven penalties throughout the year. I, I didn't think that that was an egregious number. Um, it was the second most on the offensive line. And we'll get to the one who racked up the most uh, penalties. But I thought that, yeah, I thought that he was solid. And I feel like he's going to be one of those cornerstone players moving forward. Right. Um, do you think he's looking at an extension in the offseason? I would imagine that, and, you know, you and I talked off air about how I feel like we need to keep our own, and that's how we got to kind of look at it. We got to look at it in totality, you know, because I definitely want to get Tredavious done as soon as possible. I don't want him to even think about being a free agent, and I would think that Deion Dawkins would be in that situation also. Yeah, uh, we did talk a lot about that, and we uh, with our friend Seth, we have this ongoing uh, text chain between the three of us happening, and it gets fairly entertaining at times. Uh, but uh, you guys with families tend up, you end up being uh, busy more often than I am with stuff that you absolutely have to attend. Like when you're coaching your kids' basketball game or football games, you know you have to be doing that. Whereas you know if I'm at a bar with my friends, not bragging. I could just pick up my phone whenever I want. Exactly. Except going through it now with that new baby. Congratulations. So that moves us from left tackle to left guard then. And I imagine that Quentin Spain's going to be, I I think there's going to be some differing opinions on him. What, What was your take this year? We need to keep him. (laughs) <laughs> I'm all, once again, I'm a traditionalist. I'm all about continuity. And once again, you're looking at the totality of the line, and I know you don't want my final grade for no, not yet. Uh, right now, right. But I'm looking at I want to keep him because I think he's going to be better this year with another year of being with the line together. Um, his grade wasn't that high, obviously. Um, but I think he definitely earned because we, we had a, a – him on a contract like a one-year proven contract and i think he proved it and i would love to keep him as long as we can get him at a reasonable price now i um i'm not a quentin spain fan uh i think i think he started off the year well and he certainly was good pass blocker he didn't give up a, a single sack all season i thought he was an absolute liability against the run now he only had two penalties against him the entire season that's fantastic but he seemed to really struggle with getting pushed backwards by bigger defensive linemen. He didn't seem to have much when it came to getting to the second level and pro football focus graded him clearly below average. Um, In fact, they gave him a fairly poor grade in the fifties, which is just that's replacement level at that point. Now I, I don't necessarily agree with that grade because I, I thought he was really solid in, in the pass blocking. And if you watch the all 22 footage, he was actually really skilled at passing, you know, stunting defensive linemen off. Um, it, it was actually a thing of beauty to see the way he and uh, Deion Dawkins sort of work together. Right. Now, I, 
you know that that kind of chemistry is is hard to come by. But at the same time, I don't want a left guard that's getting pushed backwards regularly on run plays. And what are your thoughts? No, I totally understand that, and I think once again, another year in the system, another year on the field, and the cohesion we have with Deion Dawkins and then Mitch Morris, I think that we can look for him to maybe make a step up this year. I don't think you're wrong. Um, if you decided you want to replace him for an upgrade, there's definitely guys out there that we can uh, put in that position that probably be cost a little bit more. And then we got guys that's in the draft, too, that we might be able to look at in the second and third rounds uh, to replace him. Um, but once again, I guess maybe I'm leaning towards him. He's from this area. Uh, my son actually went to his football camp last summer. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like you know, uh, I'm. I wish the well. I wish the best for him to stay stick around because I think it could be good possibilities with him. But if you said you want to replace, him, I wouldn't argue that. I totally understand. It, it seems like in today's NFL, unless you're an elite guard, they they seem to be fairly interchangeable. And you know, Buffalo only ended up with him, I think, because he was he. He was on the market for a long time at a free agency, and after playing with the Titans for a few years, they weren't going to re-sign him, and the Bills definitely got a good deal. I think it was a, a 2 or $3 million one-year contract, which is kind of a no-brainer, right? Right. I, I mean, you, you've got to pick up a, a starter at that price, and I'm not sure they even expected him to be a starter based on the other depth that they signed, but... From the time they stepped on field in preseason, he he had the job locked down, and he didn't really miss any snaps either. So staying healthy, certainly valuable. Um, I don't think he was good, but there were things to like. Right. Now, let's move over to the center. Mitch Morris, big free agent acquisition, making $10 million a year, yep. lots of guaranteed money there. How How do you think he played this year? I'm just happy he stayed healthy for the most part. That was the biggest concern. You remember we talked about this <laughs> when we picked him up. I was just like, okay, man, this dude got an injury history. I'm like, I don't know about giving him that type of money. But I've come to the conclusion that for us in Buffalo, we might have to overpay to get top quality free agents. You know what I'm saying? True. To come there. Obviously, it ain't just Buffalo. It's okay. If you had a chance to go to a Super Bowl contender, like right now today, I mean, obviously, like the tight end that chose uh, Seattle over us. Um, yeah, Greg Olson. Greg Olson, right. Um, if you had a chance to go to a Super Bowl contender, you're going to pick that over going to us, which is understandable. You might pick warm weather cities maybe. Um, but once we start winning, like we've been doing like this past year and we're on the uptick, I think it's going to be easier to get those type of free agent signings. But if you look at our history on free agent signings, I mean, our top guy was uh, – your boy, the uh, defensive end. Not my boy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? But it, it feels good when we're able to get the top, you know, guy at a position on the market. So for us to have Mitch Morris, I mean, does he deserve the money he gets? I mean, that's arguable. But the fact that we can say we have one of the top centers in the, in the available last summer, that's, that's speaking volumes. And hopefully we can bring in um, – someone else this year, not just on the line, just period, to round off the uh, the roster and one of the top free agent guys. That, I mean, it brings a buzz to your team. I, I agree with that. And, you know, of course, the top free agents, like you said, they're going to look at Super Bowl contenders. They're going to look at the cities that they play in, whether they're entertaining with a lot of nightlife or nice right. weather. But 
Buffalo made him the highest paid center in the history of the NFL. And that's a pretty good way of getting people in the door. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> I would think so. You know, um, I, you know, I, I thought that he was, I thought that he was solid. Yep. Um, I, I don't think he lived up to the paycheck that he got necessarily. Um, early in the season, one of the things that I absolutely loved seeing is on those outside runs with uh, Devin Singletary, the motor would be out there on, on the left sideline and Morris would be out there 10 yards downfield, lead blocking for him. Right. To see the way he could pull and the athleticism he had, it was gorgeous. Like how, how often do you actually see an offensive lineman get that far downfield? I know, right? Yep, you're certainly correct. But um, he did struggle on the uh, on the inside runs when he needed to get a push. Uh, he was getting pushed back, and I I look at the game against the Redskins uh, as a particularly bad showing for the interior of the offensive line this past year. There were game, or, well, that one, and actually against the uh, Eagles as well, and those are teams with really good interior linemen. Or in the the Redskins case, they they play a three four defense, and they've got three very large defensive linemen. Right. And you know when you see the defensive line getting into the backfield and going through your center, that's that's going to blow up your play. And right. that that was happening regularly. Now pass blocking, solid once again. And you could see what the Bills were building in the off season when they brought him and Quinton Spain in, which is they're saying we're going to be a passing offense. So let's get guys that are good pass blockers. And he was. But I, I still want my guy to be at minimum average against the uh, against the run. And that was the knock on him coming into Buffalo is that he was a much better pass blocker than run blocker, just like Quentin Spain. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, when you're getting a rush right up the middle, it blows up runs and passes. Because just like you learn in science class, Science 101 says the uh, shortest difference between two items is a straight line. So if you're getting that push straight up the middle, it's going to blow everything up. But that's why it's important for us to have a running back like Singletary who can make guys miss when you have that kind of penetration. So I think that's important, too, how we address the running back situation going forward also. And you make a great point because I, I think what you saw was Frank Gore – is kind of at the age where he's more of a straight line player and doesn't have the lateral agility that he once had, whereas Devin Singletary did. Playing behind the same offensive line, and Singletary looked so much better. Exactly. Exactly. So, so let's move then to the left guard position. And John Feliciano was the one who held that one down. This was his first year with the Bills after being a spot starter with the Raiders at both guard positions and center, uh, which he played for the Bills a little bit when uh, when Morris needed to be spelled. How did you feel about his play this year? I liked it. I thought, it, once again, it was solid. I have no problem with where he played most of the time. Um, and also going back real quick, we were talking uh, for your listeners. We were talking about Mario Williams, and it's funny. I gotta remember yeah. we're on a <laughs> we're on a podcast. We can't just have inside jokes. They probably like who they talking about. Well, we were talking about Mario Williams because we always talk about that signing ever since it happened. But um, yeah, I feel like Feliciano was very serviceable. Once again, his uh, grade was decent at sixty four percent on Pro Football Focus. Um, I think that's fair. Um, 
And once again, I, I would enjoy to keep him and uh, move forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year. You know, he's he's under contract. And the way the Bills signed a, a bunch of players this past year, they gave a lot of guys fringe starter money. He was one of them coming in at about $4 million a year. Spencer Long, who we'll get to, was making around the same amount. So it was Spain and Secchi. And it seemed like they weren't sure who was going to who was going to rise to the top there. And he was one of those guys who early on he was splitting some reps with Spencer Long, but then he ended up starting the entire season. And a lot like Deion Dawkins, he seemed to be just an emotional leader on that team. And my God, does he have a mean streak in him. That guy plays until, we'll say until the whistle, but a lot of times after the whistle. He was always the guy that was coming in to protect Josh Allen and to protect his running backs, get one more hit on people. If anybody he thought was taking a a cheap shot at Josh Allen, he was the first one to get over there and knock the guy on his ass. And I loved that. You need those kinds of players out there. Yeah, now, he, he was a goon. I mean, you need that. I mean, remember when we had Incog- uh, Incognito? He was kind of that guy. Like, you're not yep. going to mess with us. And he'll be the first one to be able to mix it up. So you need those goon-type players along the front. You, you got to have the enforcers. I, I agree. And I, I love seeing that. I absolutely love seeing that. Uh, he and Dawson Knox, two players that you know got under the other team's skin because they just were not going to release their blocks. At the same time, I wonder if he would be starting on every team out there. Um, Part of me is curious as to whether he would be better suited to be a backup swing guard slash center. And that's kind of a topic for another time. But he was average. I, I, you know, he wasn't great. And you actually don't need a great right guard in the NFL, I don't think. In fact, a lot of teams, they kind of short that position, wouldn't you say? Yes, I definitely agree. I mean, you don't, you're not, it's very few and far between where you're going to have five all-stars or pro bowlers across the line. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to skim somewhere, that could be it. And I think he's a great fit with his salary. So I think it works. So, Yeah, I, I am perfectly happy with bringing him back. Now, I like I said, I think that if there's some line shuffling, he could be the odd man out. I, I don't think he has the athleticism to play on the left side. What, what do you think? Well, that's what I was going to get to. I didn't know if we were going to wait to talk about everybody to kind of see how this could play out. But, I mean, well, we, let's talk about Cody Ford first, and then we'll just talk about how Ty Secchi, how that intertwines. Because my thing is, if we can't keep Quentin Spain, instead of starting Spencer Law, Maybe you flip uh, Feliciano over to the left side and then Cody Ford to right guard and then Aseki to right tackle. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of what I was yeah. alluding to. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, um, thunder. I'm sorry, but that's what I'm thinking. If we can't keep Quentin Spain, then maybe we could do that instead of putting Spitz along in there. Yeah, because Quentin Spain is a free agent uh, after this season. I think he's going to make a lot more money than he than he did this past year. Uh, But uh, okay, so where are we? Feliciano, he was average. I'm happy with him. And then that moves us over to right tackle. Right. Man, was that a problem this year? It was. It was. Um, I think a lot of people think that, you know, if you're a first, second round pick, you need to come in and be an instant impact. Um, not always does that happen. 
and uh, Cody Ford, he struggled at times. And once again, when you draft a, a, a tackle in the first or second round and have to slide him to guard to get decent play out of him, um, um, that could be looked at as maybe a step back or something you didn't expect. Once again, he's still young. He's learning. Um, but that's what I said. I mean, maybe you could move him to guard and then have Iseki play that right tackle spot. You know, it seemed like they were going to split time between the two of them early in the season. That's what was happening. And one of the conversations that was happening quite regularly here on Believe was why it, why are they still splitting reps? Why is Nsheki not in there 100% of the time? He was hands down the better of the two players at, at right tackle. And Cody Ford, I they... they they traded up for him, didn't? No, they didn't trade up for him. He happened to fall to them, but he just didn't seem like he had the athleticism to play on the outside. Uh, defensive ends that were taking an outside route or even had a a good um, a good cross the face move, he just didn't seem like he could move his feet and keep up with those guys. He um, he graded out in the low fifties according to Pro Football Focus and had eight penalties against him. The guy was just lost uh, a lot of the time on passing downs. On running running plays, he was really good. Mm-hmm. He was lighting people up. He was getting to the second level. He was chasing down linebackers and putting a hat on them. And nobody can forget that BS um, illegal block call in the playoffs, 15 oh. yards for uh, – anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um he you you do have to wonder though if, if tackle is his position. I, I know that they were talking about him having the ability to play guard, and he did in the preseason last year. I think they've got to move him. I I I think they got to get him away from uh, right tackle. I I give him by far the lowest grade of anybody on the line. I concur. Um, like I said, you hope that a second round pick would be able to plug and play, and and it, it, you can just tell by the eye test, like. He had big problems. Um, once again, his pass blocking, you can't just have a run blocking tackle. The run blocking tackle yeah. can't pass blocking. That's that's a guard. So yeah. uh, I would like to see him move to guard and then Ty Seki move into that spot. Um, did I see on Twitter um, Cody Ford thank Bills Mafia for chipping in a GoFundMe to take care of that to take care of that penalty that he got fined for? Yeah, I yeah. See- that's it's unbelievable. People throwing their uh, hard-earned money in, to somebody who's making a minimum of uh, five hundred eighty thousand dollars <laughs> in this past season. But that's what we do, man. And I tell you all the time, Bill Mafia, man, that's the best thing about being a Bills fan, man, because we have the best fan base ever. And that's one thing I I go to games that to party with Bill's Mafia more than I do to go watch the games. Most of the time in the last few years, I kind of knew going into it, getting on the road, that we weren't going to win. But just to party with Bill's Mafia, man, I, I feel like we got the best fan base in the NFL by far. I, I, Yeah, well, we all, we all agree with that, right? I mean, that's part of the reason we're here. <laughs> um Big Chris. Okay, this is a great story. We're we're going to uh, we're we're going to get off topic for a minute, but dude goes to the uh, Bills game. He wanders around the parking lot by himself. He brags about doing a shot out of the uh, out of the bowling ball with what was it, Pinto Ron and his crew. Came back. He's like, yeah, I finally. What's that? With Pinto Ron. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey guys, I finally did it. I I finally did a shot, and and we're like. 
that's disgusting. He's like, yeah, but you all did it. We're like, no, we didn't. He's like, what? <laughs> He's all mad and yelling at us. <laughs> hey, man, it, I don't know if you all if you all have a party with Pinto Ron, man. Everybody, please, I implore you, go do it. But he had a bowling ball up on a bar, right? And so they poured the shot of whatever it was into the bowling ball. So everybody was lining up to do it. And I'm like, okay, what the heck? I'll do it. And so they pour the shot of the bowling ball. You take the shot, and then you drop the bowling ball. And then that game, it was muddy. It was disgusting. I was like, oh, my God. But I'm thinking everybody did it. So I'm like, hey, y'all, I did the shot. And you was like, "Uh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> In fact, we were like, what is wrong with you? Why would you touch that? Uh, like, now you've got, like, herpes and mono and uh, Ebola and all that other shit that Bills fans have. Ew, we're a gross bunch. Exactly. All right, we digress. Uh, back to the back to the line. I I think we can't talk about right tackle without discussing disgusting. See, I'm still on the bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about the right tackle position without discussing Ty and Shecky, who I thought was going to end up being the Bills best offensive lineman they signed him to a two-year contract fringe starter money after he was always uh, a a backup especially here in dc where well where i live and chris used to live uh but he's a great player and he's wildly athletic and you know he i i was excited for him to get a shot i've been a fan of his for years and then he went and got hurt I thought that he needed to be the one who was starting every week. I understand why they wanted to get Cody Ford in the lineup because, you know, you you invested a second-round pick in the guy, but you, you want to get him experience to try to get your your money's worth on him. I thought Nseki was great. Um, he graded out in the mid to high 60s by Pro Football Focus, which is on the high end of average. Yep. And I want to see the guy as starter going forward. How, how would you grade him? I, I echo everything you just said, man. I think um, Ty, he definitely earned his money this year. Um, and once again, that's a testament to Brandon Bean. I'm excited about what Bob Bean's doing, and that's what makes me excited about the draft coming up. I trust him. He's He got he has my trust. Um, and to be able to get a guy on that value and that contract and give you that kind of production, once again, Pro Football Focus had him at 67%. I think that's awesome. I feel like he was maybe – he could be arguably our second-best lineman. I, I absolutely agree with that, if not the best. Yeah. I, I think he has that potential. Now, the poor guy, he spent most of the season injured, comes back yeah. – Gets injured again the last game of the season, which they were using just to to give him a tune up for the playoffs. That was just that was heart wrenching to see that happen to the guy. Uh, but you know, going into next season, I know he's going to be thirty six years old and he's coming off of a couple injuries. I think you have to figure that he's going to be the starter, and I I think that would be the best move for the Bills right now. I definitely think so, too. Once again, we know how it goes. Cody Ford is going to be afforded all the opportunities in the world um, to try to succeed. But if you try to win now, and once again, we talked about this a few minutes ago, uh, I would slide a second end at that right tackle, slide Cody Ford to one of the guard spots, and then uh, you don't have to pay overpay for Quentin Spain if you don't have to. If not, then we're going to have good depth there. Yep. 
I agree. Speaking of depth, let's talk about the number one provider of depth at the guard positions. That would be Spencer Long, who the Bills signed to a multi-year contract before the season began after he's cut by the Jets. And they, again, signed him to what looked like starter money, but yep. he ended up being a backup. Um I'm personally really comfortable having him uh, on the team as a backup. He's a, a plug and play kind of guy who, you know, I I don't think he's quite good enough to be a starter even though he was a pro bowler at one point. I, I he's not great. He's maybe on the high end of average and his versatility is a great thing to have on the team. That said, if you're moving if you end up moving Cody Ford, he probably he probably won't be on the team this upcoming season. Uh, he may be a ca- salary cap casualty, but that's not what we're talking about yet. We're talking about how he performed this year. I was happy with this guy. I, I think this is a top-notch backup. I agree with that, but it's the money he's making. Like you said, he's making starter money. What do you make this year? Like five mil, I think? Yeah, four so mil. Most of that. So it, if we go with Quentin Spain, then yes, he probably will be a casualty of the salary cap. Um, his performance was decent, especially for a swing backup guard. Um, once again, that provides depth there, but he can't make that type of money, even though we're 90 uh, million under the cap. Um, you can't give that type of money to a backup guard. So if he's not good and you got to decide, is he good enough to start? And then I don't think he's good enough to start just like you just said. So, uh, I think it'd be just better to part ways with them at this point, only because of the salary he makes. Now, if he could uh, restructure and get more friendly then maybe, but, uh, I would rather keep uh, Quentin Spain, pay him what he's worth, and if that comes at the loss of uh, Spencer Long, then so be it in my eyes. I'm with you on that 100%. Uh, Now, we can sort of lump the deeper backups into one category. Um, You know, we had guys like Ike Betker and Ryan Bates that saw very, very little action over the course of the season. Uh, you had Adrian Waddle who signed a one-year contract. He was a tackle, probably they expected to be a swing tackle. Uh, he ended up injured in preseason, so he was on IR the, the entire year. Uh, we got to see Ike Betker and Ryan Bates. Who Betker is a guard, Bates is a tackle. We got to see them in the season finale against the Jets. I I didn't think that went very well for them. Right. Yeah, that that wasn't pretty, but you know how that is, man. I mean, when you got that last spot and you're not playing the starters and everything, you want to give the young guys some reps. But I don't put much in that. I mean, it is what it is. They just going to develop in the program, and hopefully you could get something out of those guys. Yeah, the way it looked is that you could very easily improve upon them. And, of course, you'd like to see more depth. But, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing where you're going to see improvement in the offseason. You know, they're projects. Now, how often does a project work out? Right. You know, there's Jason Peters is really in Stevie Johnson. You know, they were projects that worked out. But typically, eh, you know, you you get what you get because you you can see what kind of talent is there. So overall, what what letter grade would you give this offensive line as a full body? I would probably as a unit, I would probably give them a B to B minus, but that isn't to say that I'm not looking forward to this year from the unit because I feel like once again, once again, continuity 
Yeah. Uh, Bobby Johnson is coaching those guys up another year. I mean, I'm kind of excited to see what they do as a unit. If we able to resign Quentin Spain back, uh, and Seki starting out the gate, and then Cody Ford can just concentrate on guard, maybe. I mean, right. see what they do. But as a unit this year, their performance, and a lot of it has, doesn't have to do with offensive line play. A lot of it is um, Josh Allen also getting better. Yes. Him yeah. getting better last year made the offensive line. Obviously, I think our offensive line improved from 2018 to 2019 with the acquisitions. But his improvement, you know, him getting rid of the ball, three-step drops, a short passing game, that allows for them. You're not asking these guys to do as much as you would uh, somebody who's going to be holding on the ball longer. So with his improvement, the offensive line improves. And so I think that was part of it too. Definitely, definitely was. And, you know, it's the offensive line two seasons ago was so bad that even an average offensive line is going to look like a massive improvement. And yeah, Josh Allen has a lot to do with it, but also there just was not enough talent uh, up front. And and I credit Brennan Bean. He just he decided he had to correct that weakness. And that was a big part of the Bills success this past season. Now, where do I rank them letter grade? I I think that we're I think that we're looking at a B minus. Uh, they're certainly nowhere near the top of the league when it comes to uh, when it comes to offensive line play. Uh, that would be the Eagles. And Pro Football Focus uh, ranks them at about thirteenth in the NFL, which is you know it's to the high end of the middle of the pack. And I think that's. I think that's right where they belong. Um, so I'm going to go with a B minus, but I think with a couple more tweaks, you could be looking at a B plus A minus team uh, going forward next year. And I'm looking forward to see what they do this off season because, man, March is a fun time. And well, geez, the uh, scouting combines upon us. Your favorite time of the year? My favorite time of the year, man. I tell you, and I was telling you that off the air. Two of my favorite times is the um, when you got the. Uh, Combine all this week. I, I watched like every minute of it. I love to see uh, those guys working out. And then I also like March Madness. Is that Thursday, Friday of March Madness, where it's games from 12 o'clock all the way to 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I need you pulling for my Dayton Flyers this year because I've never seen this before out of them. Anyway. I, I thought that you was going to come down here for the VCU game last week. Oh. You know what? It it wasn't on my uh, it wasn't on my radar. I turned on the TV. I'm like, oh shit! The Flyers are playing VCU. How did, how did I miss this? On Tuesday, I'm going to see them at George Mason, though. So okay, good. anyway, good. Are we going? Can we talk about the free agents that's possible out there that might be able to help us out? Uh, that's for another podcast, my friend. Okay. All right. Uh, but but I I hear you and I appreciate it. Um, but we're uh, we're forty minutes in. It's probably about time for us to call it a wrap here. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening and thank you, Big Chris, for coming on board. Man, you are you're an absolute natural for this, and looking forward to doing more of these with you. And we, you, we, we, we gotta get you a show. That that that's all there is to it. <laughs> I love you, brother. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Oh, glad to have you. So. 
Bills fans, this has been Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, and we'll be coming at you again next week. Uh, do follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Jamie D'Amico. He is at uh, Newt Worldwide. Also, you can speak to John Boccasino on Twitter, our illustrious host, and you know he's been manning the ship for a very long time here. He's at John Boccasino, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.